I'm starting a new series today entitled Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. I want us to turn to our text, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. You see that? They all went home. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now the point that is being made is that Joseph lived in Nazareth, which was some distance away. But his family was from Bethlehem. And there was a reason he was going home. He was required by the law to do so that first Christmas. I know it was to pay taxes. That's no fun. But the point is he had to go home for Christmas. And the Bible said he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with him or with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to speak today from the subject, the problems of Christmas. The first message in this series is the problem, the problems of Christmas. There are problems when Christmas comes. Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts. And I pray that in that unique way that you have where you can take one message and make every person in a building feel like it was especially for them. That you will direct this message to every heart. And that for this next month, as we go through the Christmas season that you will draw us closer to you, that you will make us understand the value of Christmas more and that it will be more meaningful than it has ever been before. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Robert is playing the familiar lyrics of a song that we hear a lot this time of the year. I'll be home for Christmas. It's a familiar Christmas song that was written by lyricist Kim Gannon and composer Walter Kent. It was recorded in 1943 by Bean Crosby. Anybody remember Bean Crosby? Yeah, sure you do. It immediately became very popular and it earned Bean his fifth gold record. America was in the throes of World War II at the time and engaged in fierce fighting on both the Pacific and the European fronts. I'll Be Home for Christmas was written from the perspective of a soldier stationed overseas who wasn't sure that he would ever make it home to see his loved ones alive again. The losses in the war had been great, profound. And when the song was released, it touched the hearts of soldiers and civilians alike very deeply. Some have said that where the lyrics of the song say, I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams are the saddest words that have ever been written in a song. 
ever. Because there were so many people that didn't make it home. Bing Crosby's hit went on to become a beloved and cherished Christmas standard and remains a perennial favorite today. So much so that just last Christmas, which is 77 years after the original recording, last Christmas, it was on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 list. It was on the U.S. Billboard bestsellers in stores. It was on the U.S. Hot 100 recurrent hits. And the Rolling Stone top 100 hits, to name just a few. I'll be home for Christmas. Thanks, Robert. The question today is, what does that mean? Because home can mean a lot of different things, can't it? Home is more than a place where people live. It's also more than a place where soldiers yearn to be who are away from their families in time of war. To me, home is a place to belong, a place where you fit in and where you're loved and accepted regardless of whatever your problems, shortcomings in life may be, whatever your personal deficiencies are, personality or anything else. Home is a place where you feel safe. That's true for most people, not everybody. For some people, home is altogether different than that. But for those of us who understand what I'm talking about, home means a a place of warmth and security. And when you think about it, that kind of sounds like the Father's house, doesn't it? You're loved unconditionally. And the Father's house, in spite of all your flaws, your shortcomings, God knows the speaker that is talking to you today has plenty. The prodigal son, when he was starving and cold and would have filled his belly with the husk that the pigs he was trying to take care of were eating, the Bible said he came to himself. He had a moment of lucidity and he said, what am I doing here? Even the servants in my father's house are better off than I am. So when I talk about being home for Christmas and he decided to go home, I mean that we should celebrate Jesus and our heavenly father the way that they deserve to be treated. Our father has made us a part of his family and we should honor him by keeping the Christmas season Sacred and holy, and therein lies the challenge. Because it's more of a challenge than you might realize. If you don't know God, I'd say this if you're listening, you're here today, you're watching. If you don't know God, come on home. It's time to come home. Yeah. I'm going to invite you to come home to the Father's house. Where you're at is not where you need to spend the winter. Or if you've been away from church and drifted away from God, come on home. Come on home. Backslider, those who once knew God have allowed their experience with God to grow cold. Come on home, brother. Father's still waiting for you. Your place is still set at the table. Because that's the kind of place home is. If this pandemic has kept you away, because there are many that haven't come back to church yet. It's time for you to come home too. 
come on home. The truth of the matter is that Christmas comes with problems, doesn't it? As much as we love Christmas, it can be challenging. There's all the decorating, first of all, that needs to be done. How many of you can relate to that? Jerry and I are empty nesters now. And so she puts up a minimum of Christmas decorations each year. There are the lights on the fireplace mantle and she gets the candles out and, and the, the colorful placemats for the table and the wreaths for the doors. But it, I don't have to worry about getting out in the yard and decorating the yard, the trees, the house. Ooh, I'm so glad those things are behind me. Amen. We won't see those. We just go to where the kids are yeah, and laugh at them because they're still having to do all that. And then there are the gifts to buy, right? And that means crowded malls and freeway traffic and worries over delayed online deliveries. I have found the perfect gift for Christmas. All I need is an envelope about that long and about that high. And I put something in it that's about that big right there. And the color goes with everything and it matches everybody's eyes. And it never needs to get exchanged because it's the wrong size. Oh, they'd like to exchange it for something larger, but you know what I mean. Amen. Christmas for many families means that kids are going to have their learning schedules disrupted and children come home from universities and that whole thing. For lots of folk, Christmas also means travel plans. And this time of the year, it is a mess to try to travel. There are trips that have to be scheduled and reservations made and hotels to be booked and crowds in the airport and security to go through. It's a problem. And on top of that, all you ladies are already wondering what you're going to do for Christmas in terms of the big meal. Are you going to go traditional with turkey? Are you going to go ham or both if you got a big family? Or like we do at our house, go Cajun. <laughs> that means shrimp creole. Steak, rice, and gravy. You can keep your old turkey. And no, you can't come to my house for Christmas. We don't have a big enough house. Amen. I wish we did where everybody could show up. And there's the baking to be done. And that means, you know what I mean. How many of y'all like pecan pies? Let me see your hand. Y'all like pecan pies? I'm not talking about pecan pies where they put that, that I don't know, cornstarch or something in it to make the middle thick. No, I want Cairo syrup, pure Cairo syrup. That when you bite into it, your whole body goes in the insulin shock. And then get out of my way and give me a spoon. Not a fork, I need a spoon. Amen. All the goodies that we indulge in, the fudge, the pies. And then you spend until Easter trying to lose all the pounds you gained at Christmas time. Christmas can be a headache. It's true. Comes with all kind of inconveniences. There were problems with the first Christmas too. Nearly 2,000 years ago, when the first Christmas occurred, it wasn't easy on Mary and Joseph. They had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. There were no taxis, no buses. And besides that, she was nine months expectant. That's not an easy trip to make, even if there are taxis and buses. Though her pregnancy was caused by the Holy Spirit, that was a problem too. Because, I mean, after all, she was still a virgin, but who believed it? Trouble was, 
Her reputation was in question now. Luke 1, 34 through 35, something we must never forget, states that Mary objected to the angel and said, How can this be since I do not know a man? She was a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Don't you ever let anybody tell you that Mary was not a virgin when Jesus was born. It fulfilled prophetic scripture. And she had to live with a expressions where they kind of did this kind of a thing, you know, and, and look at you out of the corner of your eye and down their noses. And she had to live with that. Even Joseph experienced doubts until Gabriel showed up and said, don't be afraid. You can take her as your wife. That which is about to be born in her is of the Holy Spirit. The journey they made wasn't easy either. But since Joseph was a descendant of David, it was required to travel with his pregnant bride to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And so when they get there, there are other problems. There's no room in the inn. Nobody ever talks about the problem this was for the innkeeper, but that was a problem too. How are you going to let a woman who is expecting a child stand on your doorstep and say, sorry, the rooms are all rented, and then direct her to the stable? He will forever be known as the man who put Mary and Joseph in the stable and caused our Christ to be born there. You'll always be known by that. And then there was the problem with all the other people who were there who had already rented out the rooms first. I mean, where's their compassion? A woman is expectant. You would think somebody would have ponied up and said, hey, you know, you can have my room. I'll go sleep in the stable tonight. But not a single person did. Come to think of it, it almost is appropriate that Jesus was born in a stable the lamb of God born among the other livestock and sheep. Yeah, that just kind of seems to fit. But there were a lot of problems. I can promise you that. There were other problems at first Christmas. There were the problems of the three wise men who see a star and feel compelled to follow it because this star was not one they had seen before. And they are astronomers and it's moving steadily toward the west. And they're 700 miles away in Babylon. And there were no flights to catch. And there's nothing but desert from between them and where they've got to go. And they've got to Take a camel caravan, and you know what that means. That means harsh, inhospitable terrain and wandering bands of, of cutthroats and killers and who would sweep down upon unsuspecting caravan travelers, kill them all, and take their goods. Christmas was a problem. It was also a problem for King Herod. Herod wasn't really king of the Jews. I don't know if you know this or not. He was an Edomite like to call himself king of the Jews because it was a political position. And this guy was ruthless. He had killed two of his sons because they were in a hurry for him to retire so they could take over the throne. So he just killed his two boys. He killed his mother-in-law. Some of you might understand that one a little bit better. Amen. Hope not. I had the sweetest mother-in-law in the world. 
And here these three wise men show up at Jerusalem. And since they're looking for the king of the Jews, the likely place to go is to Herod's palace and say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And Herod nearly has a stroke. What do you mean king of the Jews? I'm the king of the Jews. So he sends to the religious people. And now it becomes a problem for them too. And he says, where does the scripture say that the Messiah is going to be born? And they say, oh, that's easy. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, the song goes. You know, well, that's where Micah said that Jesus would be born, the Messiah. And these Pharisees and Sadducees went right back to having shop. You would have thought they would have quit everything and said, what? He's been born? See you guys, I'm headed off to Bethlehem. But they didn't. They just kept right on working in the temple. And the reason that they were committed to their religions to such a degree that they would ignore something as monumental as the birth of a savior is they didn't want to lose their followers, their crowds. Because if they acknowledged hey, the, the real Messiah is here, their, their followers would leave right and left. And come to think about it, Christmas was also pretty inconvenient for our Savior. That may be more inconvenient for him. In fact, no doubt more inconvenient for him than anybody else that was around that first Christmas. He had to leave the throne of glory to come here. Had to is not even the right word. He chose to. A city where streets are made of gold. I didn't say paved with gold. Because when you go to a road that has pavement on it, the pavement usually covers the subsurface. But in heaven, the streets are made of gold from top to bottom. Walls of jasper adoring angels, angelic choirs, beloved saints that have gone on before us crying, holy, holy, worthy is the lamb, casting their crowns at his feet. And he came here. Got to be kidding me. To this sin blighted earth of ours. The first Christmas, the greatest miracle of all is the story of the incarnation of the mighty God. Who wraps himself in human flesh to become one of us. But it was filled with problems. And what does all of this teach us? It teaches us first of all. I want you to hear me that miracles can be messy. I want you to say that miracles can be messy. Oh yes they are. God's gifts can come wrapped in problems. (laughs) They can come wrapped in difficulties. We like gifts that are wrapped in brightly colored, gaily uh, colored paper. We tear the paper off to wonder, to see what's on the inside, wondering what we've got. God's problems, or gifts rather, don't come wrapped in brightly colored paper. They come wrapped in trouble, wrapped in problems, wrapped in challenges. Many of us have never Learn that. And so we run from challenges, not realizing that probably inside of every one of them, there's a gift from God because he likes to take everything that comes our way that's bad and cause it to be turned for our good. That's what Paul said in Romans eight. Turns it all to our good. When God does something wonderful, 
It always comes with challenges. Ask the man that he healed that was lame. Here's this guy that's been lame all these years. Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. And the man said, you got to be kidding me. And Jesus says, no, get up and walk. Picks up his bedroll, puts it on his shoulders. Hooray, and he's walking. And the first thing he encounters are these Pharisees that says, what are you doing walking on the Sabbath day with a bedroll on your shoulder? You're carrying something. And that's against the law. What about Lazarus, who died and was dead four days in the tomb? And Jesus comes along and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes shuffling out of that tomb. And I mean, everybody there is stunned into disbelief. They can't hardly believe their own eyes. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. From that moment, he became a marked man. The Pharisees hated him. And he had to work kind of hard to avoid getting put back in that tomb prematurely. Because they were trying to kill him. Miracles can be messy, but God's gifts are always worth the inconvenience. And I want to tell you that anytime God wants to do anything in your life, are you listening to me? It is worth the trouble. Listen to me, if you're away from home and away from God today and God's calling you, you say, I've got to lay down so much. Oh, don't even worry about that cheap flimsy stuff because what God has for you is so much better than anything you'll ever give up to obtain him. You'll never even think about that stuff anymore. Second, God teaches us that his timing can be inconvenient. When we study the first Christmas, that's one of the lessons you learn. Timing, (laughs) his timing is not ours. I mean, why would I have to, you know, have a baby when it's taxation time, Lord? I mean, couldn't you wait till we got back home? Nah, right in the middle of a mandatory trip. I read just this morning on my news app about a guy that was taking, I don't watch TV. I haven't watched TV in over two years. I'm not going to watch that stuff. I can't stand it anymore. It gets in your head and I just, it messes with your peace. You go ahead and watch all you want, but after a while, you're going to learn what I'm saying is true. Amen. But on my news app, that way I can be selective. I read briefly a story while my wife was driving me to church this morning. For the first service that a man was bringing his wife, rushed into the hospital and the baby was born while he was driving and he had to reach over in the passenger seat and catch the baby. (laughs) Timing. That's not the best timing in the world. You see, God doesn't ask whether it fits into your schedule or you got time. When he gets ready to move, he just shows up and does what he wants to do. And I'll tell you what else God doesn't do. He doesn't ask you if you're down with what he's about to do either. Meet your approval? No. Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. 
All I know is inconvenient or not, I am so glad he came. I am glad for everything that God has done in my life. There have been times when it hasn't been easy or convenient. But you'll never hear me say God, not right now. Third Christmas teaches us that when God moves, it can be confrontational. All these years later, Christmas is still a problem for a lot of people. There are those who argue over whether or not it actually happened historically. Or whether Mary was really a virgin, you know. Still others debate the nature of Christ. Was he God and man or just man? And you have all these arguments. And I just this week read, I think it was yesterday on another news app, something popped up. That there's an archaeological excavation going on that they think may prove that certain things we have believed about ancient Israel were not really correct, that we got our history wrong from the Bible. And I thought, oh boy, here we go again. I've seen these same kind of announcements more times than I can remember. And they put them out there in big headlines. And then they discover something else and say, oops, we were wrong, but that's in fine print. I've come to believe there's a reason That some people oppose the reality of what happened that first Christmas. And it's not about science either. They oppose it because it's far easier to deny the reality of what happened that first Christmas. Than it is to suddenly stop being self-centered. And mean. And get your act together. And start doing what's right to your neighbor. Oh you're you're not helping me out. It's far easier to say the virgin birth never occurred and there wasn't an actual historical Jesus and this is all a myth than it is to acknowledge that because he came, it's proof that I'm lost and that I need a savior and I need to give my heart to God. And that's why some people would rather have a Christless Christmas. The story also teaches us that we mustn't allow Christmas to become a problem to us as believers Because a lot of believers do allow Christmas to become a problem to them. We'll show you how. The two greatest events ever recorded in history, Christmas and the resurrection. And it should be celebrated as one of the greatest events. But it can become a problem, listen, if you do not approach it correctly. And that's why I'm preaching this series this month. Here are several ways that Christmas can become a problem rather than a blessing. Christmas can become a problem when we allow it to become secular. When they co-opt our holiday. You understand what I'm talking about? We must not allow that to occur. Because isn't that what Herod did? He saw the birth of Christ as a threat to his political existence. Christmas was not a spiritual event to him. And you're in trouble when Christmas stops being a spiritual event and becomes just a historical one. He saw the birth of Christ as a political issue. And what we as believers have got to do, and it becomes harder and harder because we're being approached from so many different ways. And the approach is often subtle. At other times it's not. But the next thing you know, culture has influenced you. And Christmas is not as sacred as it once was. I'll give you an example. 
it's now the holiday season rather than the Christmas season. Have you noticed that? It's a boss telling an employee that she had to remove the t-shirt that she was wearing because it said, happy birthday, Jesus. He said that was offensive. It's the ACLU and other groups who have successfully fought to have nativity scenes removed from public places. Frosty the snowman replaced a nativity scene in one of our Florida schools this year. Senior citizens were told in an apartment complex in Los Angeles that they couldn't have Christmas trees because they are religious symbols. The governor of Rhode Island has banned the name Christmas tree and renamed it the holiday tree. I don't care what party you are from. We should not be allowing that kind of stuff to happen in this United States of America. Legal action has been taken to remove Christian references, songs, and even the word Christmas from school programs. I thank God that we have great school districts in our area and people like Superintendent King Davis and others who are committed believers themselves. And thank you to all of the wonderful educators and teachers in this church. Let's give them an applause. I thank you for the light that you show every day in the public school system. But number two, Christmas can also become a problem if it is only a religious event. And some people make it that. I love technology. I love excellence. I love all of that. But it's real easy to make those become the objectives. When Jesus was born, the priests valued their religion above the reality of the Messiah. All of Jerusalem was abuzz with the news the Magi had brought to town. And yet... They tell Herod, oh, it's easy. He's born down the road and, you know, in Bethlehem. And they go right back to their duties. And you have people that do the same thing in church. We just keep on doing whatever we're doing and like, oh, yeah, Christmas. It doesn't affect our worship. It doesn't affect our prayer life. It doesn't affect our devotional life. We don't stop. We don't contemplate. We don't consider how profoundly lost we were and that God came to be among us. People go to church at Christmas that don't go at any other time of the year and they check that off their list. Like, they took care of that. I got news for you. You go to church every single day and you'd never, 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 never be able to show enough gratitude to him for what he did when he came 2,000 years ago. And I'm not being unkind. On the other hand, you have some folk that don't go to church on Christmas. I'll talk about that in a minute. Christmas becomes a problem when it becomes too commercial. And we are there. Hear me. We are there. Look at your neighbor and say, we have arrived. Would you do that? Listen, they're expecting us to spend $859 billion this Christmas for one day. That's almost a trillion dollars in one day. Can you believe it? Now, I'll give you something to scale that against. That's more than twice the giving in all of the over 400,000 churches that exist in the United States of America from all of their members for the entire year. And you were worried that the church was getting rich. Never heard you say that about Macy's. Target. 
Amen. Yeah. Many families will go in debt at Christmas time and they'll be spending the rest of the year month on a monthly basis to pay off what they couldn't afford from gifts that they gave to people who didn't even appreciate them. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Even people who are usually faithful in their giving to God will often stop giving because they have overspent at Christmas. They'll take God's money to buy somebody a Christmas gift. If that was me, you're getting ready to buy it for? Please, just give it to God. I don't want to be cursed by taking anything that should have been given to him to start with. Amen. In fact, what we often do here is I challenge you every Christmas to take an amount and set it aside as his gift. And I I challenge you to make it a dollar more than anything you spend on anything else. Your biggest gift that you buy for a loved one. Because after all, don't forget it's his birthday. Amen. You're going to be stunned. All of this at a time when statistically only slightly over one half of 1% of Christians, those who call themselves Christians in America, all of this is being done at a time when only slightly over one half of 1% tithe. You didn't know that, did you? And they only give pennies of their income for missions. That's right. That's 0.006%. Of those who call themselves Christians tithe. That, let me put it another way. That's six out of a thousand Christians. The world is lost and people are suffering. And there are people in our communities that we could help. And here I am being the Scrooge. Bah humbug. The Grinch. Yeah. By telling you these things. And reminding you that many Christians think, well, as long as my child gets the new PlayStation 5, that's all that matters. It's not all that matters. And Christmas becomes a problem because we've allowed it to become too commercial. Christmas is meant to remind us to not live self-centered, selfish lives. But to think that he came for us and we need to serve and help others. Come on, somebody give God some praise in this house. And I'm just about done. But Christmas is also a problem when it becomes just another meaningless day. The birth of Christ can lose its significance if you allow it to. And that's why many Christians years ago got together and decided they're going to celebrate a certain day for Christmas and they chose December 25th and I've heard all the arguments I've researched it I've looked into it you have some Christians that will not celebrate Christmas because they say "Hmm, don't you know that's a pagan holiday yep you're right it is they do all of that but Christians chose that day for a reason you know why they said Mr. Devil you've had that day long enough we're taking it back for God right now And we're going to take a day that used to celebrate, that you used to celebrate your pagan demonic spirits and idols on that day. We're going to celebrate the birth of Christ on that day. We're going to set aside a certain day because you know what happened? After the birth of Christ, 
because they didn't do that soon enough. They actually forgot what day he was born. So they said, we've got to find some day. And they said, well, if we're going to pick any one. We might as well pick one the devil has. It's kind of like what we do here at Halloween. No, we don't have Halloween parties. We have hallelujah parties. And we have a family day, a family fall festival. And we take that day back from the devil and say, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what we need to do with every single day of the year. We need to take them back for, for God. It belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We must never allow Christmas to become another day that's only special because of the lights and the decorations that are put up. And then Christmas also becomes a problem when it is just about family. And that's the big one we hear, even in churches. We've listened to that and you say, well, pastor, isn't Christmas about family? Yes, it is, but it's not just about family. And that's where the devil deceives us. Because you see, what we do is we make Christmas just about family. Oh, are you having church on Christmas? And when we tell them, yes, we are, people, some folk are, oh, gee, really? Well, I mean, after all, it's, it's his birthday. In fact, you'll be delighted to know we have Christmas Eve service and Christmas Day service and service on Sunday, the day after Christmas, which is on a Saturday. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. I know, I know, I know. I'm not knocking anybody. I have friends that have done what I'm about to say. I'm not called anybody by name. I love them. They have pure hearts. That's not even what I'm saying. But there are many churches that are canceling Sunday services this year. And Christmas falls on a Saturday. Like, what? It's my birthday, so all y'all gonna go to y'all's house? And buy each other gifts and leave me out? Doesn't make sense to me. Amen. And did you know the word Christmas actually is a cognate of two words that mean Christ's mass? You know what mass mean? All the Catholic folk that came from that background know it means worship service. It's Christ's worship service. And so Christmas is about worshiping Christ on the day that we celebrate his birth. But yet services on Christmas Day in the evangelical community are the least attended of all services. That shouldn't be. I need somebody to shout it out and say, Christmas is about family. Shout it out. But it's not just about family. Look at your neighbor and say, do you hear that? Christmas is not just about family. Amen. Thank God for food and fun and family and all of that. And pecan pies, can't wait. And shrimp creole and steak rice and gravy. Mm, I can't wait for that. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. But on the other hand, thank God it's the Lord's birthday. Jesus loved us enough to come to this earth and become one of us. That blows my mind. Wow. So what should you do about Christmas? Well, number one, make it 
wonderful. Can I hear somebody shout that out? Make it wonderful. I'm not going to, like the song says, I'm not going to wish you a merry little Christmas. I'm going to wish you a merry, wonderful Christmas. A Christmas that is stupendous and magnificent. And I'll also make it grateful because if you want it to be wonderful, you have to be grateful. So make Christmas grateful as we approach the Christmas season. Realize it's about what he did for us. We will never give a gift that will anywhere equal or come close to equaling the gift he gave to us. Make it wonderful. Make it grateful. And then finally, make it worshipful. Wouldn't it be amazing if in his sense of timing that he said, this Christmas season, right in the middle of all of the hustle and bustle, (laughs) I got a plan. Don't tell anybody angels, but I'm going to show up and people are going to have God encounters during the month of December. Amen. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be incredible? Would you stand with me? My time is gone. Make it worshipful. Don't get so caught up in all of this stuff that we forget why it's really being celebrated to begin with. This, this time of the year is special, but it's special for particular reasons. And we must not ever forget that while every head is bowed. Come home for Christmas. If you're a backslider, come on home for Christmas. You drifted away from God. Come on, neighbor, brother, sister, come back home. If you've never known God, the Father is waiting. Come on home. Home for Christmas could have a special meaning to you this year. If you've allowed your fire and your passion for God to begin to wane and the once brightly burning flames are now flickering and just about to go out, think about the wonders of this season. That God loved you so much. That 2,000 years ago in a stable in an insignificant little village in Palestine the Savior was born and while every head is bowed and every eye is closed if you're here and you don't know God and you feel God tugging at your heart or you're a backslider and you drifted away from the Lord if you let the fires of God's passion in your life grow cold Would you slip up a hand right where you are and say, pray for me, pastor. I need God. God bless you. God bless you. Keep raising them. God bless you, dear lady. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless this couple. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, grandmother. Keep raising them across the building. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand too. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray 
that you will help us to fully appreciate the magnitude of what occurred 2,000 years ago. And we come to you now because we've drifted away. We're not in the Father's house. We're not where we need to be or we've never known you. And we come and we pray that you would forgive us of our sins. That you would open your arms wide and receive us as we lay ourselves upon the altar as a living sacrifice and devote ourselves wholly to you. And be from this day forward our Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord. Wash us with the blood of Jesus. And we believe today that you're hearing our prayer and that we're going to see you, Lord. Someday returning in the clouds of glory. And we're going to be with you forever. Because today we're becoming children of God. And in Jesus' name, everybody shouted and said, Amen. Let's give those that prayed that prayer a great applause. God bless you. Come on, let me hear you shout it out. Welcome folk who have just prayed that prayer with us. I'm so glad that you've come. And now do three other things. Be baptized in water to follow the example of Christ. Number two, be filled with the infilling of the Holy Spirit that you may be able to live the Spirit-empowered life. And number three, become a Bible-believing Christian and a member of a church that teaches the Word of God. If you live within 50 miles of Houston, we claim you're... One of ours already. We we just we're gonna make that decision for you and say welcome. And now I want to also direct your attention to the screen. If you prayed that prayer, there's a QR code. If you'll go there or text to that number, you can text prayer, salvation, or baptism. We'll make an appointment to get you baptized. We'll pray with your special request and also to help you become a better. Christian and a disciple, a follower of Christ. I write a devotional every day. If you will text the word join or go to that QR code, you will see how you can sign up and you can join over 2000 families that go to the foot of the cross every morning together and pray the same prayer, sing the same worship song, study the same passage of scripture. And now let me pray for the rest of you with every head bowed. Father, I know that at this time of the year there are folk that are hurting, especially after this terrible pandemic that's gone on now for almost two years. There's so many of us that have lost loved ones. There are all kinds of reasons that this Christmas should not be a good one. But you know what, Lord? I'm asking you to reverse that. I'm asking you to let this be the best Christmas season that we've ever had. The most spiritual Christmas season that we've ever had. I want you to heal hurts. I want you to embrace lives. I want you to perform miracles for people. Miracles of deliverance and help and hope and life. We ask it for your glory and everybody give God a praise across the house.